welcome, welcome. Welcome to our Newburgh campus, our West Campus, and Facebook Live. Uh, I made a major faux pas service. I thanked Newburgh for the fall festival. Um, I've heard that the four people that stayed at the West Campus have forgiven me. Uh, but guys, honestly, that thing was amazing. I want to confess that I had, and I want to thank Evansville for that amazing fall festival. Uh, I ate two deep fried Klondike bars, most amazing thing I've ever had in my life, until I found the donut bank uh, sausage sandwiches. So um, I got to tell you, our family is absolutely loving it here in Evansville, the Newburgh area. A couple nights ago, we drove down to Henderson uh, and we went to some huge, like, um, maze, corn maze kind of a place. And man, we got lost in there for an hour and a half and we had the most amazing time. We were coming out and I said to my daughter, I said, look at that, they're, they're drying tobacco in that little barn. And she said, Dad, that's not tobacco, that's corn. I'm like, you don't dry corn. So I wanted to prove that it was tobacco, so I walked everybody, it's a little dark in there, and I, I kind of walked in and I slipped a little bit and I said, my, my last words were, guys, be careful, there's a puddle and it's slippery. And guys, I went down like a ton of bricks. I mean, this puddle was about this wide, this and this deep, and I, they, it was the highlight of their evening, but <laughs> yeah, my family's that way. But I gotta tell you, had a blast. We are absolutely loving it here. People ask me, do, do you miss? And I literally have said this. I said, listen, I'm already driving around with Christmas music playing, okay? I don't know about you, but October 1, Christmas movies and Christmas music comes on. And I, I said, man, when it was cold outside, I'd rather be driving around here with Christmas music blaring on a cold day than sitting on Malibu Beach. And I literally mean that. I love it here. We love it here. We're so thankful to God. Let me pray and let's get started. Father, we, what a great God. What, what an amazing God. God, life is filled with these really cool little adventures. You, Jesus, you said you came that we might have life and have it more abundant. And there is an abundant life here, God. There, there's these wonderful, marvelous, great little adventures that you take us on. There's, there's joy in every day. There's, there, if we could just find it, if we would just look around in this incredible garden, God, that you put us in. We are so grateful. So grateful that you love us. So grateful that you're gracious and kind and generous. God, it's nothing that I have to say this morning, but it's what you say through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, come and speak. In the precious name of Jesus, we love you, we worship you, and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this weekend, we're kind of wrapping up our series, Adopted. And through this series, we've walked through the book of Ephesians, and there's a few things that we've said over and over again. One, nobody dreams of being an orphan. We were created to live in purpose. There, there is a purpose to our life. The, the beautiful thing about being a Christian is you can never say, well, I don't really have a reason to live. There's nothing for me to do. No, we were all created to live in purpose. We said things like no child should ever feel isolated, forgotten, or left out. We, we, we've kind of dug into the fact that we have been adopted into the most loving family of all, God's family. And today I want to talk about our adoption calls us to intentionally pass our faith on to the next generation. We are called to pass our faith on. In Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, Paul takes just a few verses to laser in on our relationship with our close-knit family, mom, dad, the kids. And let me expand that to say maybe it's, maybe it's the guard, a legal guardian, or grandma and grandpa and the kids, whoever is, whoever is responsible or, or in that unit. 
Paul takes the truths from the spiritual realm and pulls them into the physical realm. Remember that we serve this imminent God who's way out there. He's bigger than we can comprehend, this, this transcendent God. But then he becomes small and he comes into our world. The way our family operates and interacts is to reflect how we interact with our Heavenly Father. Let me put it this way. Our families are mirrors of our relationship with God. Our families are to be mirrors of our relationship with God. As we love and respect Him, children are to love and respect dad and mom. As God loved and sacrificed for parents, parents, you are to love, respect, and sacrifice for your children. Let's read Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on earth. Now, long life here doesn't necessarily mean years as much as it does enjoyment, a pleasurable life. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Moms, you're in that too. Don't, don't act in a way that will make your children angry. Rather, bring them up with a discipline and the instruction that comes from the Lord. I don't know about you, but my family was very similar to the TV show Roseanne. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that. Although I heard recently that that house is like in Evansville or, or it's, it's somehow related to, to Indiana. Well, I remember walking through the living room when Roseanne was on the TV and, and, and Roseanne was screaming. Everybody in the room was screaming. Everybody in the room was, was yelling at each other. And then Roseanne crosses into the kitchen and she stops and she goes, by the way, what does everybody want for dinner? And I thought, that's my family. We were the loud family, lots of screaming, more than a few arguments, and lots of love and great food. And by the way, that's how it has continued to be on with my children. That's just who we were. I don't know what your family was like. I don't know what your dynamic was like. Some of them were all different. But we were all called to do the same thing. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul issues two practical challenges for our home life. One, children, obey and honor your parents. We're going to speak a lot about that. How about parents, treat your children well and raise them up on the Lord? Those are the things I want to explore, focus in on. Now, before we even begin, I want to acknowledge that some of you may immediately think, I have a hard time honoring my mom and dad. You don't really know what they were like, and I get that. And you're not called to be in any kind of abusive, crazy situation like that. I get that. I think of kids I've worked with over the years whose parents have spent their time pursuing drugs or alcohol or sex or whatever vice captures their complete attention, but not too much time with their kids. I immediately thought of two boys whose dads live within a few miles of them but never see them. Don't contact them even on their, on their birthdays or Christmas. In fact, often I'll pick them up and take them out for their birthday. However, for clarity, when it comes to all scripture, I want to say this. Scripture is simple, but life is complicated. Throughout our Christian lives, we hear truths from the Bible, and we believe them, but somehow our situations may seem to extend beyond the Bible. It seems that way, but it isn't that way. For example, I have a friend in California who did a devotional in church about how God would always provide for our needs no matter what. Well, shortly after that, he experienced a series of misfortunate events. Everything from car crashes to job loss. I texted a man, hang in there because God will find a way to provide. He immediately texted me back, that's a great thought, bro. But unfortunately, I have to live in the real world. I'm here to tell you that the scripture and God is the real world. 
Scripture is simple, life is complicated, but my personal circumstances do not trump the word of God. If the Bible says honor your father and mother, then you and I are to honor our fathers and mothers whether we believe that they deserve it or not. And there are more good parents out there than bad. Parents who are desperately love their kids, parents who are pretty strict, parents who are pretty lenient, parents who make their kids their best friends, parents who, who maybe are a little more distant because they feel like a little more respect needs to be put in there. One of my closest friends is a dentist in Louisville, Kentucky named Steve Blanchard. He has raised three amazing sons, love the Lord, one of them in full-time ministry, all of them incredible he recently said to me, you know, I wasn't always sure about how you were raising your kids, but you can't argue with the results. They both love you and Jesus to this day. I, I think that was a compliment. <laughs> At least I took it that way. Sometimes it's better if you don't compliment people. And we may want to judge that person whose kid is utterly out of control at Walmart. You know, just kind of take over. If that was my kid, I'd... You fill in the blank, but the issue is it's not your kid, and literally that's something to be thankful for, isn't it? <laughs> I often say, you know how most people are raising their kids? The best way they know how. Most people are raising their kids the best way they know how. Here's what I'd like to encourage all of us to do today. Determine that we're going to honor our father by honoring our moms, our dads, and our children. Our families are mirrors of our relationship with God. As we love and respect God, children are to love and respect mom and dad. As God loved and sacrificed for, for, for parents, parents, we are to love and respect our children and sacrifice for them. Children can be a massive sacrifice, can't they? Let's look at, a, let's look at challenge number one. Children obey and honor your parents. Notice that Paul does not begin speaking to parents. He begins speaking to children. So if you're here this morning and you are a child, you're still under a legal guardian, a mom, a dad, a grandparent, then I want to speak to you first. And I, I, I'd love to get your attention. Paul says this, children obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Again, we reflect God, so I'm to obey my parents the way I obey God. What if we just did it because... It's the right thing to do, but that's not all there, all there is to it. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on earth. I want to break Paul's first challenge of honor into two parts. First off, I want to do, how about the early years? How do I honor my father and mother as a child, if you're 17, 18, maybe even 19 years old here this morning, but you are still underneath the roof of mom and dad, you are still dependent on mom and dad, they're, they're pretty much still, let's just say it, paying the bills. I want to begin by addressing you. Paul is quoting here from the Old Testament. Exodus 20 is where we find God giving the people the famous Ten Commandments. You know, God had led the Jewish nation out of slavery from the Egyptians. He delivers his first code of laws to them on Mount Sinai. You know, famous decrees like, you must not commit murder. You must not have any other God before me. You must not steal. Ten commandments were given, but they were just given, don't steal. Only the fifth commandment came with a promise. Paul's quoting this, honor your father and mother, then you will live a long, full life in the land your God is giving you. There is a truth 
There is a truth. Hear me, young people. There is a truth that by being respectful and obedient to our parents when we are younger, our lives will be richer and easier all the days of our life. There's just the aspect that God will, blessing just means again that God intervenes in the natural course of life. Things that you can't even see, but somehow you get away with that thing or somehow you get a little more riches than you order. Somehow things work out better than they should have. That's God blessing you. But there's more to it. Getting underneath authority actually brings freedom. I know it seems the opposite. You know, mom tells me to be home at 11, but if I'm home at 12, I had an extra hour. But it always results in more bondage and stricter rules. And next time you're only allowed out till 10. But getting underneath authority actually brings freedom. Think, think about this. If you rob a bank, you might have money for a little while until you get caught and then you go to jail. You got underneath authority for a little while, out from underneath it, you got money, but it cost you your freedom. I had a pastor, Bob Parker, who used to say, Rick, you can have any car you want. If you want to drive a Rolls Royce, you can drive it today. And I'm like, Bob, how would I do that? He said, well, it's easy. You just take a gun to a Rolls Royce dealership and you get a car. I'm like, but then I'm going to jail later, Bob. Bob was a little crazy. I know a lot of young men and women who have gotten in trouble with the police and been placed on house arrest. Instead of going to jail, the police department puts this bracelet on your ankle and you get to stay at home instead of being in prison, instead of being locked up with other people. But believe it or not, I can't tell you, countless young people, guys and girls, have gotten said, I, I want freedom, I want to go out and do what I was doing. So they'll cut that bracelet off and they'll run. You'd be amazed how many people do that. Well, guess what happens? The police eventually catch up with them. Now house arrest is no longer an option, and now you are behind bars. Rebellion does not bring freedom. It never does. It brings bondage and pain, the opposite of a life that goes well. The more a child gets underneath his mom or dad's authority, the more privileges and freedoms they usually get. If you can be trusted, then you can be trusted. I've had so many kids say, you know, my mom, she doesn't trust me. I, I want to spend the night at, you know, Karen's house, but she thinks I just want to go to the party. And I say, are you going to the party? And they say, well, yeah. <laughs> well, that makes your mom a really smart person, doesn't it? She's like monk. She knows you're lying. When you honor someone and respect them, their natural inclination is to give back more and more. That creates a blessed and happy life. It's just common sense. I promise you the scripture is just common sense. Even if you weren't a Christian, if you applied it, it would work. But oh, how blessed to be a Christian. We are called by God, the Bible, and the Apostle Paul to honor our Father in heaven by honoring our moms and dads here. Children, you are to regard your mom and dad with great respect as if they were God himself. Well, let me say that again. You are children, because you are reflecting. The way you treat your mom and dad reflects the way you'll treat God. You are to regard your mom and dad with great respect as if they were God himself. Respect God's opinion and their opinion. That means even when it comes to things like friendship. That's basically a big breakdown with mom and dad. I don't like that guy. I don't like that girl. Your mom and dad may be very leery or concerned about a certain friend or a relationship you have. Well, God gives a parent discernment that you may not have. Uh, my, my daughter has drugged somebody in the house or my son has drugged somebody in the house. And my immediate thought is, there's just something wrong with that guy. There's something shaky about 
that girl. I remember my daughter coming home from junior high and she had a particular friend and she said, Dad, I shared secrets with her and, and, and she's my closest friend and she shared them with everybody. And I said, well, the Bible says just confront her, talk to her about it. And she did. She shared more secrets with that girl and she did the same thing. And I said, Katie, you need to mark that girl's character. Still be gracious and kind to her, but if you ever trust her again, that's your fault. People with no character are people with no character. And parents know that a wrong friendship can cause you years of pain, wrong decisions. If you touch a hot stove, you'll get burned. That same pastor who told me how I could get a free Rolls Royce also said to me once, he said, Rick, pay attention to this. He said, joy isn't so much in finding the one that will bring you happiness as it is in avoiding all others who will bring you misery. There's a lot of truth in that. Let me say that again. Joy isn't so much in finding the one that will bring you happiness as it is in avoiding all others who will bring you misery. The wrong boyfriend or girlfriend can ultimately lead to misery beyond belief. I know a 16-year-old girl who has two grand theft auto charges against her. Her mom has warned her against this, this particular boyfriend. He has stolen two cars, and when he steals a car, he picks her up for a joyride. The police pull him over, and she is guilty by association. She goes to jail just like he does. She has had to pay thousands of dollars of compensation to the state, to those stolen cars. Her mom warned her, but she didn't listen. Our Heavenly Father has the same rules. Proverbs 13, 20 talks about a companion of fools is a fool. 2 Corinthians 6 talks about not being unequally yoked with an unbeliever. In other words, a believer shouldn't marry or make a best friend or wise counsel out of somebody that doesn't know God. It's going to cause tension. They're, you're going to want to be loyal to the Lord and do that which is right, and they're going to do whatever feels right. Respect your parents' rules. If they want you home by 11, then be home by 11. If they want you to do your chores before you leave the house, then do your chores. Kids, let me give you a way to freedom. This is what I say to any young person who says, man, how do I be successful at my work? I always say do 10% more. You want to have freedom at your house, do 10% more than your mom and dad ask. They say do the dishes, you say no problem. Practice that, no problem. Then you do the dishes and you wipe down the counter. Do one thing more than they asked. Do that consistently and you watch how more enjoyable and pleasant your life becomes. When they begin to say, dude, I can trust you. I know that you're going to do what I want you to do. Obedience brings great peace and harmony with mom and dad. And by the way, all of us, it brings great peace and harmony with God. Let me give you the number one way to honor God for all of us and honor your parents biblically. Honor them by not bringing shame on them. I did a biblical word study on honor. And I, almost, I literally could not find just the word honor. I looked in the lexicon. I studied the Greek. I looked in various translations. That word is the only word I've ever studied that's conjoined with another word. You cannot separate it. And that word is shame. It's almost as if the word honor doesn't exist. It would be clearer if the passage read this. Children, instead of honoring your father and mother, if it literally read children, don't, don't bring shame on your parents. Might I add, don't bring shame on your God. When a child becomes addicted to drugs or alcohol, it can bring great shame to mom and dad. When a child has no moral value, it causes great embarrassment. When a child chooses to steal or break the law, it brings shame. It shows that their children don't honor the way they were told to act. Even small acts of disobedience can be very costly 
I have this vivid memory of being six or seven years old, and I was in this toy store in Cincinnati with my mom. I think it was called Johnny's Toy Shop. I was in this big toy store, and we were there to buy me this stuffed animal that I had always wanted. I wanted it more than anything. I just remember that so clearly. But when I got in the store, I started wanting more and more and screaming and hollering and carrying on. And I remember my mom saying, if you don't stop acting like this, I'm going to take you out to the car and leave, and you're not getting that toy. Well, I didn't stop acting that way. My mom drugged me out of that store, and I never got that toy. In fact, if I remembered what it was, I would go get it today at 55 years old, but I can't remember what it was. I still regret that. Shortly before coming to Christ, I was 17 years old, and I was working out in the garage with friends. My mom came out and told me to do something, and I remember saying, Mom, why don't you just shut up and go back into the house? Yeah. I still regret saying that because of the look that came over my mom's face, and I brought her shame in front of all of my friends. In fact, I came to know Christ a few months later, and my life changed so drastically that my mom said, if God can do that for you, I want to know this God. And and my brother started going to church and found Christ. Children, you are to preserve your mom and dad's dignity in their eyes and in the eyes of those around them. Do not bring shame on them by acting shameful ways. Do not, it is so painful to a parent to have to be ashamed of their child. Well, that's for the younger children, but how about the older children? How about, how about the latter years? How to honor my father and mother as an adult? Now, that doesn't mean if you're 30, you can't go to the party without mom or dad's consent. If you do, that's a whole other set of issues. You don't necessarily need their approval for who you hang out with. But, but sometimes the parent's responsibility to take care of the child becomes the child's responsibility to take care of the parent. And that's okay. Let me say that again. Sometimes the parent's responsibility to take care of the child becomes... The child's responsibility to take care of the parent. You know when this is happening, when, when I've heard it said for many years, like, you know how when you'll stop the car real suddenly, you reach out to stop your child as if they were going to go through the windshield? Well, when somebody slams on the brake and your child reaches out to you, the switch has been made. I was at the Evansville Fall Food Festival. Thank you, Evansville, for that. And... And I said to my daughter and my son-in-law, I said, hey, if we get lost, let's pick a meeting place. And my daughter said, well, Dad, how about if we just don't get lost? What if we just stick together? And I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. And I noticed like two or three times my daughter would take me by the arm and walk me. You know, like, Dad, hey. You know what I mean? Like I'm 80. No offense to 80-year-olds. But she would, you know, she would grab me by the arm and go, come on, Dad. No, we're going over here now. You know, and I thought, man, some switches are... Some switches are seriously being made here in my life. My son Josh is an old soul. Uh, he's just one of those kids who was born mature. And let me give you an example. When Josh was 11 years old, I was taking him to school and, and, a, and a brand new Ferrari buzzed by. This is Southern California. Brand new Ferrari buzzed by. And I said, Josh, wouldn't you love to own that car someday? And he looked at me and he said, what kind of gas mileage does it get? And I said, I don't know. And he said, Dad, why would I want to get a car that has horrible gas mileage and I have to pay for gas? And I said, because you're 11. <laughs> same ride, and I'm not making this up, same ride to school. He's 11 years old. He says to me, Dad, I'm a little concerned about you and Mom. I said, okay, what's going on? He said, have you thought about your retirement plan? 
I'm, I'm not kidding. Ask my daughter. This is my son. Ask my wife. This is my son. He said, have you thought about your retirement plan? I don't think you're putting money aside. How are you going to make it financially? And without missing a beat, I pointed at him and I looked at him and I said, you're my retirement plan. I said, I've been pouring all my money into you so I can live in your basement someday. You know, I was only, I was only half joking. Because I still haven't put any money aside. But, see, I believe we, we reap what we sow. Right before my daughter was born, my wife and I moved back from Florida to my home state of Kentucky. And my mom stayed in Florida, but she was alone and really missing us. So I drove my Firebird down, got the biggest U-Haul that my Firebird could tow, and packed my mom up and moved her in with us. And for the greater part of the next 15 years, she lived with us until she went home to heaven. And I don't want to make it sound like she was this huge burden. She was a good friend to my kids, one of their best friends to Lynn and I. She was an amazing cook and a clean fanatic. And it made lots of fun when I would sit at the table and say something, my mom on one side, my wife on the other, and say, Mom, Linda said she's a better cook than you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those moments happen because that's who I am. <laughs> they were so much fun for me. Uh, she was my kid's best friend, and we rarely needed a babysitter. It wasn't always easy. She was very stubborn, and if she liked you, she loved you. But if she didn't like you, man, she would just say, why are you in my house? The various friends that we would bring in, don't you have a home? But she was awesome. The last couple of years with her, she wasn't all that healthy. My wife would find herself cleaning up messes she hadn't signed up for when we got married. But we treated her with as much dignity and respect as we could and you want to know why we did that one because we loved her we loved her she was a joy we thank god for my mom but two because we were called to honor and respect her to the very end sometimes the way you honor god as a child is by becoming in some senses the parent scripture is simple even though life is sometimes complicated but God's commandments never change. My relationship with my mom was a mirror of my relationship of my relationship with God. Well, moms and dads, the Apostle Paul also speaks directly to you. How about the second challenge? Parents, treat your children well and raise them up in the Lord. Let's look at what Paul says, Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not, or moms, you're included in this, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Paul says, don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. This, this word provoke means, means to make angry, to incite someone to anger, or to cause them to be angry because of some action that you have taken or something that you have done. Paul's being very clear here, saying, Mom and Dad, don't act in such a way that frustrates your children. Don't act in such a way that gives them a right to be angry. We are not to be overly harsh or to put up a strict system of life that our kids can't possibly live up to. We're to reflect the love of Jesus, this sacrificial love, this caring love. Let me give you an example. Years back, I had a teenage girl in my youth group who was in a blended family. Her, her and her brother were from mom's former marriage. Her mom and her stepdad then had two younger sons, and they were three and five years old when I met them. And the two younger kids were terrors. Little to no discipline, little to no respect ever shown. 
but it fell on this young teenage girl to be their babysitter. She would get in huge trouble if the boys weren't taken care of, no damage to the house, and if they weren't in bed, right on time. But she was not allowed to discipline them in any way, not even allowed to raise her voice to them. She had no way to get them to follow what she asked them to do. I was over there before and literally saw her begging them, please go to bed. Often she would wind up getting in trouble for their actions. That's harsh and unreasonable. That's exasperating and it did, it did make her angry and rightfully so. Mom and dad, we have no right to set up our children to fail. We are to be their biggest cheerleader. Whatever I would do, I remember my mom saying, you are the best at that. There's nobody better. Well, there were a lot of people better, but not in my mom's eyes. I know I've said to my kids over the years, Josh, you are the best skateboarder I've ever seen. He goes, Dad, there's a lot of better skateboarders. Yeah, but you're my favorite. In my eyes, you're the greatest. I, you are to be your children's biggest fan. We have the right to discipline, but that discipline needs to be done out of love and concern for the child in their future. Do you know that whenever the Bible talks about God disciplining us, the reason he disciplines us it isn't out of anger. It's so that our lives will be better. Look at all of the times. It's to develop character. It's to give us more faith. It's to give us more confidence. It's to give us more joy. Discipline is always done so that it will make your life ultimately sweeter. We have the right to discipline, but that needs to be done out of love and concern for the child's welfare in their future. We are to cherish our children and love them the way that God loves us because we are to intentionally pass our faith on to the next generation. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 with me. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your stroll, and your strength. Isn't it amazing that the Old Testament and the New Testament reflect one another? They are the same. Jesus quotes this. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commandments that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again and to your children. He's talking about taking the realities of God, the reality of the scripture, the truth, the principles, and bringing them into your home every day. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. The greatest way to create children who love and serve God is to be a parent who loves and serves God. The realities of the Bible, the truths of Scripture, are to be in your home. If you love God with all of your heart and soul, there's a very good chance that they will too. If you're faithful to church, they will see that. If you worship and praise God and people in your home and publicly, then they will too. If you're tearing down and biting and gossiping and always whining and complaining, they probably will too. When things don't go your way, do you demonstrate a peace that passes understanding because you really believe that God will bring you through? Let me make this, this statement. As parents, we must be Jesus to our children until Jesus becomes Jesus. 
When I first sent this PowerPoint out, they capitalized this. They thought I'd made a mistake, but I hadn't. Mom and dad, you are to be Jesus with a little J until they find Jesus. You are to love them, to sacrifice for them. You are to teach them the principles of the scripture. You're to write it on their hearts. You are to look just like Jesus. As parents, we must be Jesus to our children until Jesus becomes Jesus. And you know, that's true of this whole next generation. That's true of looking some kid that's an addict, some kid that's messed up, or some kid that's just needy and loving them the way Jesus would love them. Somebody, somebody has to be Jesus to them, right? Somebody has to be Jesus for the first time to the world around us. If you love the people in the world around you, then there is a very good chance that your children will too. Your actions prove how much you love the world around you. Are you pouring into your children and into the needy children in the world around you? As there's an epidemic of children in Evansville, in Newburgh, who are in desperate need of someone to take them and demonstrate the love of Christ, to pass on faith. You know, there's a thousand kids in foster care, but only 150 group homes. Over the years, my wife and I have unofficially fostered many kids. What do I mean by that? Well, picking up, a, I picked up this young guy recently and I took him out shopping for school, getting him all ready. And he said to me, man, this is the first time I've ever been to a mall. We shop for their school clothes. We take them to movies. We say words to them like, man, I'm so proud of you. We find reasons. I find reasons to say, I've gone to soccer games. and go, Dude, you were amazing. Because you don't have dads or moms, perhaps, that say that I want to look like Jesus to them. I've even helped many kids know the difference between asking for a large or a venti at Starbucks. <laughs> there are kids out there who've never been to Starbucks, and that's not right. <laughs> I pick up this one particular kid, Anthony, a lot. Love this kid to death. Man, he's such a cool guy. And I would take him to Starbucks once a week. You know, we would dig into the Word of God together, just talk about life. And and I remember him saying to me, man, I used to just go to Starbucks on my birthday sometimes. Now I go every week. My kids have witnessed this. My son, Josh, now leads a seventh grade boys small group at a big church in L.A., Southeast Christian Church. My daughter actively seeks to be involved in the lives of people outside of the church in order to demonstrate the love of Christ. Patrick said to Katie when she was moving here, Katie, you excited about meeting new friends at the church? She said, yeah, but I'm more excited about meeting new friends outside of the church so that I can bring them into the church. My kids know that you better not not have friends who are unsaved. Let me say that a little clearer. You better have friends outside of the church. You better know people that don't know Jesus or how will they ever know Jesus? I don't put my kids in Christian leagues and all that kind of stuff. I said, you go out in the world and you lead people to Jesus. There are a thousand kids in foster care right now within 20 miles, hundreds living in group homes. What if you and your family just decided to become a foster family? What, 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 would, what, would, what would that say to your kids and the world around you? Imagine if you were the solution to that problem for at least one or two kids. What would that say to your kids? See, at Crossroads, we, we don't want to simply preach the word of God. We don't want to. We, we don't want to just do that. We want to live it. We were created to live in purpose. We could literally end foster care in Evansville today. 
What if we were part of that solution? I want to encourage you, whether you're here on the west side, out in the atrium, there will be people, advocates for foster care. Just grab a brochure, maybe, maybe talk to somebody. Paul issued two challenges in a few short verses. Children obey and honor your parents. Parents treat your children well and raise them up in the Lord. We must intentionally pass our faith on to this next generation. May this world and our neighbors find Christ in how we treat one another. Let me pray. Father, we love you and worship you and praise you. God, might our children learn to honor and respect us so that they can learn to honor and respect you and so that their lives can be blessed. Father, as parents, might we treat our children with dignity, with respect, discipline out of love and concern. Might we reflect, might our families reflect you. We love you and worship and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Guys, thanks for listening.